Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think my hands would be identifiably a man's hands. <laughs> a blind touch <laughs> test. A blind touch yeah. test? Is it, that a thing? I blind don't know. Yeah. Tu- yeah, there must be. That's when yeah, you... Yeah. Can I feel your hands right now? No, I don't think they are. But that's not a criticism. Do you sweat from your hands? Is that another way of asking if I'm a clammy-handed lady? No, it's when Connor says he wants to um, be in a bar with guys who work with their hands in grease and sweat from their hands. I did did understand the reference. I, I regulate my temperature pretty effectively. I'm very sweaty. Someone at a gig the other night, I got off the stage and the booker handed me a tissue to wipe myself. <laughs> So then I, to be p- fucking polite, I start dabbing myself and then he went, oh, there's something stuck on your face. I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen when you handed me a piece of tissue when I was sweating just because I'm giving it my all? Um, I think there are only six words we need for what we're about to get into. Let me hear them. The Conheads are going to love this. Oh, Connor heavy, baby. This is a big episode. You know how I know this was a big episode and we're only at number two. I woke up this morning and I had a text from my friend Michelle. She's in New York. She sent it overnight being like, have you seen it yet? And then I had a few messages on Insta being like, can't wait for your take. I was like, shut up. But people are already gagging with their need to discuss. Brain dump, Sam. Brain dump time. Mouth size generally is a big area for us because my mouth is is pretty big and yours is pretty tiny. Jeff last night was eating a veggie kofta dumpling and I was watching him from the side and it was he almost had to unhinge his jaw. Like a snake. Like a snake. (laughs) The point is, I think about mouth size a lot and I have never fully realized how large Logan's mouth is until I watch the Your Fucking Pirate speech. I urge everyone to do a rewatch just with a focus on how big Brian Cox's mouth is. It makes sense. I mean, I think that makes sense for like a a serious Shakespearean actor. Do you think all the finest thespians then have enormous mouths? I suppose Brian Cox, uh, Julia Roberts. Oh, her acting. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I'm not saying she's not a magnetic screen presence because she is. I'm just saying that I could do as well as she could, but just be a little bit less watchable in my acting. My first brain dump. Please. Greg is right. Microwaved pizza isn't good. I've looked up lots of tips on the internet to try and make it better, uh, putting a, a half glass of water in there with it, splashing it with a teaspoon of water. Nothing works. Pizza is optimal when it's just out of the oven or cold the next day. There is, to quote Greg, a sog issue. There is. Um, 
the moment when Logan says about the kids, they have some juice here. They have some fucking juice. I thought we saw a little smile, not dissimilar to the one we see at the end of season two, when Logan is realizing that Kendall has gone to fuck him. And I thought it was another reminder that what Logan does want is an adversary. But he also wants an heir. And do you think it was just a a glimmer of finally these idiots are are stepping up? Yes, that's sort of what I'm trying to say. What do you think was the best bit of backstabbing? Tom knifing Sid over leaving early during opera season (sighs) or Carolina forcing Hugo to use his laptop on the big screen? Both equally incredible (laughs) moments, both thrown away despite being these gems of brilliance. And what I loved about both of them is is that we see this way that what Logan is always moving through is people throwing other people under the bus as a way of advancing themselves in front of him. Okay, me next. I've never met anyone I respect who sleeps good. This is Matson talking to Kendall. I love it because I actually do sleep good, but the number of factors that need to be in place to allow me to sleep are indicative of some real mental health issues that I have. So can I try and list them? Here are all the things that I need to be able to fall asleep. Okay, there are lengthy pre-bed ablutions, and then you go somewhere, I'm not quite sure where, for about 15 minutes. It's for it's for two minutes. And it's to make sure that the pieces are in place for me to transition to the loft at whatever point I need to because of my problems. Preparing your escape pod. Yes. <laughs> okay. You can't sleep in clothes. I have to be fully nudie duty, correct? You have to watch 15 to 20 minutes of something before you fall asleep. Correct. Then your fan goes on. Correct. <laughs> that is big Dyson fan that works as a white noise machine. Yeah. But, but it makes uh. me feel like I'm sleeping next to a jet engine. <laughs> I have to be a long way away from you and facing away from you. Correct. Uh, (laughs) You have to do your one last pee. Yes. You need your orthopedic pillow. Well, I don't have to have my orthopedic pillow. Like, I don't travel with an orthopedic pillow. You have travelled with it. I have, but I often don't. (laughs) What else? I can't sleep without a glass of water next to me, but a lot of people have that. I have to have lip balm next to me, and I cannot sleep with my hair up. I always have my hair up because of my hair problems. But when I sleep, if, if my hair is up, I would lose my mind. I've been thinking we should get you a crate like the one Tom and Shiv make Mondale sleep in. Oh, my God. <laughs> On the subject of Matson, mm-hmm. I noticed that when, when Kendall makes that call, we see him and he is eating bila. That means cars in Swedish. They are the most popular Swedish sweet for little kids. Uh-huh. They all have it on a Saturday growing uh-huh. up. And he is drinking, it looks like a, a bottle of Coke, but it isn't. He is drinking Yulmust, which is a Christmassy Swedish drink. And it made me think, when you're a billionaire, maybe you can get it the year round. Why is Matson in what you people would call that vest? And it doesn't look doesn't look like an expensive vest. What would you call it? A- Americans would call it a tank top, but it looked grungy. It didn't even look like an expensive vest. White underwear on men. You can wear it if you look like a male model or if you're very old and there are a lot of stains on it. No no in between. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think Matson falls into the former category. Yes, except then in this scene, I bet if it had panned down to his underpanties, they would have looked fucking grimed out. Um, Here's a question for you. Yeah. Who do you think felt more stressed? Colin, when he had to cover up the dead waiter in season one? Uh Uh-huh. Or Jess having to organise a taxi from that private airfield? 
Jess organizing the taxi. This is the thing. Colin doesn't experience stress. I'm worried about Jess's cortisol levels. Oh, shit. She she constantly seems like a stressed rodent about to break into flight mode. Jittery. You're comparing Colin and Jess, but really the correct comparison is Carrie and mm. Jess. These are two assistants. Carrie would go into flight mode, not flight mode. Exactly. Carrie, TBD, is going into fight mode. Jess goes into flight mode. I invented that. <laughs> Maybe I'll write it down. So those are our brain dumps for episode two. Rehearsal, we would love you to share yours. What do you think? We'll run through some specific questions later after we talk through the episode. But the email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And if you are new to the podcast, every Friday there is a mini episode full of your correspondence. Friday sprinkles. This is obnoxious to say, but... If there's anyone who listens to this podcast but like does, is not interested in the sprinkles, which is, by the way, completely valid. I do feel that our last Friday sprinkles was, to me, the funniest episode we've ever put out. So all I'm saying is I, I am the least objective person to be pitching you on this. But if you're the person who would never listen to the companion episode to a companion show, maybe give last week's a try because it was my fa- I think it's my favorite one we've done so far. I know that's very off-brand to say that. And do you want to tell them who the guest is for this episode? Oh, my goodness. The guest for this episode is comedian, writer, actor, director, an all-around delightful person. Yes. Rose Matafeo. Creator and star of Starstruck. Basically, we asked her because we know she's into succession and we thought she'd be kind enough to say yes. But then actually getting to talk to her, she has such a good and critical eye. And then also she gave some very top tier psychoanalysis, which she promptly apologized for because of her self-awareness. But it's what we're here for. It's what we're here for, Rose. Well, because karaoke features prominently in the episode, I I thought that we could structure our conversation around karaoke songs. Great. And I thought we could start with a song for Kerry. Uh Uh-huh. What have you chosen? I've I've chosen fame, as in Irene Cara fame. I'm gonna live forever. Exactly, exactly that, yes. Because, of course, we learn in this episode that she has aspirations to be on-screen talent. She wants to cross the talent moat. Whoa, and she put on a pink dress to do it. (laughs) So my first question is, do you think the writers, who for this episode, by the way, were Tony Roche and Susan Soonhee Stanton, uh, which is great pairing, and I always think it must be lovely for Tony Roche at this stage of his uh, career and life to find a new collaborator. Um, Do you think the writers were conflicted about whether to show the audition tape or not? Because this is a show where it would be talked about and not seen and it would leave it all to your imagination. I'm sh- To answer that question, yes. I bet they were conflicted. But what, what does succession do? It asks what the truth is. And what would happen if that happened is that everyone would be watching it all the time. No, I'm going again. I got to go again. And, <laughs> and the thing with Hugo being like, I got to just watch it. You'd be, everyone would become addicted to it. What would feel more vulnerable to you? People oh seeing gosh. a sex tape or people seeing one of your audition tapes? Okay, well, because of my s- true self-hatred, I have never even done so much as glance myself in a mirror having sex. She's like a vampire. She covers up all the mirrors. I really... Do you know what? Like, we've never sent each other sexy photos. I did post you some drawings I did with white crayons. Did they, <laughs> did they ever arrive? Never arrived. I wonder what lucky lady got them. So basically, the idea of someone finding one of my audition tapes... I think I might be done. 
I don't know if I can do it anymore. It's too humiliating. But definitely an audition tape over a sexy tape. Did you love seeing Logan on the prowl at ATN? Yes, I did. I thought that that scene didn't look like much in the trailer. And then, my God, was it fantastic to watch it play out the way it was intended to. It was so interesting because you see what's smart about him as a businessman. I did find that being 15% up year on year means nothing if your costs are at 40%. But then also what's bad about a certain kind of boss standing over someone's shoulder checking how many emails they've sent. Yes, but I don't know that I think that is bad. But you can't learn anything about how good somebody is at their job by how many emails they send in five minutes. No, but here's the truth. I'm not saying it's good for anyone's mental health to be afraid raid on the job but i think it can be you know it can be effective for for productivity just as often as it's detrimental he wants the people in whose newsroom who respond well to fear and stick and pressure there she goes again sarah siding with the high-powered businessman do you like those warehouses which are monitoring how many toilet breaks people no but that's not what this is how anxious did you feel that those boxes of printer paper were going to collapse um zero so you didn't think they were the settings up for a comic moment? No, they're, 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 it's this cheap and cheerful man of the people. Hey, no, I can give this kind of speech from atop some printer paper. Logan, I love you. And you know, uh, I did a bit of knocking around online after the episode, and Rupert Murdoch did that in 2007. There were photographs of Rupert Murdoch standing on printer paper. Oh. Yeah. And as a professional public speaker, what did you make of uh, Tom's warm-up abilities? This is what they say about a warm-up. You can't do the job poorly. Because if you're good, great. And if you're bad, the headline act looks good by comparison. He was... I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse, but one of the great comic performances on television of all time, Tom Wamsgans, amazing. You know, you see this thing, right, that Logan has and has presumably always had and that Tom does not have. Tom has no onstage speaking charisma, but he will stab some people. He'll do some dirty dog moves and that's a real asset. And I scanned the faces of the ATN employees in the background to see if anybody wasn't drinking the Logan Kool-Aid. Uh-huh. And they all went along with it. This is the thing. See, I, I don't do well with that. Any Anything that has a lick of the drill sergeant to it, tough love, we're going to screw the competition, and a- any of that fighting talk. You don't ma- think you can ever get swept up in no, something? No, it ma- makes me shut down. I remember a boss who came and did that, and I just thought, oh, fuck Maybe up. you've never truly been in the room when a real king has presented to you. You, you would have been swept up in it. Yeah. Oh, I... I know my, I'm very, very easily swept up. I could have been a Nazi in that way, I think. <laughs> I just, I try, I, I try and think who would I have been in Germany? And I think I'm, I'm, you are not impressionable. Mm. I am impressionable. Also much better at admitting when I'm wrong. When you say who would I have been in 1930s Germany, you are Jewish. Oh Yeah, I would have so, not fared very well. But you think a, a good piece of oratory, you could be easily swept away into fascism. I don't like it about myself, <laughs> but you do the math. It's like there were a lot of people who went along with what Hitler did. And all of us today think we wouldn't have been one of those people. So what gives? Let's talk about how Logan initially feels about Kerry wanting to be an on-air personality. From Logan's perspective, I could not make heads or tails of it because the whole point, right, is that this audition tape is undeniably bad. It's a good bit of comic business, that video, I think. Yeah, she she was good in it. I'm. She's not I always was, your favourite. No, you know, we don't... Dear Jesse, again, it's a safe space for you. 
this is just me, Firecratch, talking to you directly. This is a safe place for you always, baby. But sometimes, Carrie wasn't my favorite, but I'm going to loop back to a positive. I've gone on a journey and she's starting to convince me. And I'll tell you what, I got nervous because the two we get alone together without a heavy hitter are Carrie and Greg. I felt myself get nervous. I'm like, oh, God, guys, come on. This is a good show. Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. Come on, you two. You're in the big leagues now. Hit it out of the park. And I thought they both did. I really, really liked it. So I'm into Carrie now. And she had to win me over. And just thinking about Carrie having to hear that from Greg of all people, would you rather just be told, oh, they don't like you, they think you're bad? Or would you rather have it couched in, they loved you? Because we we work in industries where all you ever hear is, they loved you, they thought you were great. And then you go away thinking, fantastic, they thought I was great. When is the big check coming? Oh my God, yes. This sort of almost like a like a physical aversion to any bit of directness. Like, Have you ever left a meeting in the media industries where you haven't walked out and thought, I thought that went really well. We're full steam ahead. They loved it. Everybody's excited. Yeah, I know. And nothing ever gets done. <laughs> and then the shit that does get done is bad, like 90% of the time. But then what I would say to people is if you expect people to be direct with you, you got to put on your big girl underpants when you get an honest answer, right? Yeah, I don't You're not good with that. No. All right, the next song selection at our karaoke is for Shiv, and I have gone with Don't Look Back in Anger. <laughs> because she is furious from the second she gets the phone call explaining that Logan has advised Tom to put all the good divorce lawyers on a retainer. She is on the warpath and looking for revenge. I think he did a terrible thing to her, Logan did, But he does terrible things to her, but she's without her own punching bag. So one of the ways that she gets her shit out is by punching on her husband or it's like he does this horrible thing to her, but she can't call her husband up and bitch about it. So that's horrible. Her outlets aren't there right now. Anyways, she's on the warpath. And they're at yet another location Planning business dealings. I don't understand. They're in Albany. Do you know that I had sex with a mayoral candidate who was like, I don't think he became the mayor of Albany. That sounds right for you. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so right. I'd never actually bag the mayor, but I'd bag a guy who was trying to become the mayor. They've gone to a retreat. I don't think it's Albany, the city of Albany, is it? I don't understand the retreat. They're a family. Why don't they... Because these people in business are are always going off to retreats. Oh, we've got to think about something. We can't possibly just stay in the office and do it. We've got to go to a country house hotel or we've got to rent a conference centre somewhere. I understand the idea of, like, eliminate distraction. But they're not... No offence, they're not creating anything. Well, they think they are. They they think they are creating their vision. Try writing an hour-long show for Edinburgh. Is what I would say to the the Roy children. And do you think that from Shiv's perspective, getting mommed, in other words, Logan giving Tom this advice, is is worse than other stuff he's done? It's another bullshit thing. And it's a bad one. I'm not saying that it's not. But she is so thirsty to feel it. And she's being, like, abused. And that's why she's so ready when she gets the call from Sandy. Sandy Jr. with her big cuffs. You do not see Hope Davis on screen in this show without the biggest cough that you ever did see in your whole entire life. Did you did you enjoy getting to see your boy Stu again? Would you have gotten into his taxi taxi? Anytime. I also I feel like um he was reverse aging. So I do wonder if the if the man, Arian Moyed, 
has coloured his hair since this fourth season. And how do you feel about that? Because you, you, you won't let me do anything about the greying. I think talk to Michael Douglas and see what he says. We know a hairdresser who is a friend and he's like generous with his time. And sometimes we can voice note him and be like, here's our problems. What do you recommend? And I, yeah, I can't imagine that it's right for you, but just talk to Michael. Just a little bit of Grecian 2000. I don't know what that is, but it sounds gross. Just for men. No, I... What about some henna shampoo from the body shop? The body shop. Oh my God, that smells really gross in that store. Are you thinking of Lush? That's the one that you can't walk past. I can't walk past Lush, that's true. I'm a woman of elegant tastes. So the reason Shiv is so ready for that call from Sandy is the reason for everything we've seen Shiv do so far this series. She is livid at her dad. She wants to cause her dad pain by delaying this deal and squeezing more money out of Matson. Yes. I think Kendall's motivation is different. Okay, go on. I think what we see when Kendall takes that call from Matson, which which is the change for him, he's not fully yes, on board yes, with yes, this. Yes, 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 yes. He's sort of open to exploration, but what gets him fully on board is when Matson says that he'll walk from the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think what Kendall is trying to do is what Kendall's been trying to do since day one. He is seeing a path to getting control of Waystar Royco. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because at first you're thinking, oh, it's two versus one. It's Shiv and Kendall versus Roman. But actually, they've just all got their own agenda. Yeah, the alliance is already broken. I think Roman wanted the alliance more than anyone. Like, he is into it. It's just that his siblings keep fucking it because his siblings don't really want it. Roman wants to make his own pile. He wants them to make their own pile. And that's what he has in mind. He was thinking that with 100. Now he's on board with the Pierce thing. Whereas Shiv is thinking, how can we hurt dad? Mm-hmm. And we thought Kendall was thinking that. But but really, I think there's been the shift. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, how can I get that crown on this little head of mine? He does have a little head. He does. He's the anti-Carl. Um, another karaoke song? Okay. Now we see Connor sing Leonard Cohen's famous blue raincoat. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the right choice. One of the great lessons you can learn at karaoke is it's okay to bail. Take that from this if you take nothing else. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the karaoke. Yeah. To some extent, it's the only social interaction I enjoy. Yeah. But... You've got to think about crowd-pleasing when you're there with other people. Well, yeah. So Sarah will, for special occasions, take me to karaoke, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when I get to go off piece that's with the That's our set free list. space. And we take notes. We go, this is good. We it's see just... if it goes into Maine, into the repertoire for, <laughs> for when we will be going to karaoke See if we can post it people. on Maine. And then you can be very free in that space. But yeah, what I would say, there is no shame in going, I'm calling this. I'm calling this. I've got a bail. I Skip. Thought I could do an amazing version of um, from Greece. My heart is not the first time I've broken. Was Hopelessly that? devoted. I was like, I'm going to nail this. And it was not in my range. <laughs> to the extent this was like in a public room and the woman running the karaoke, I saw her dart across this bar to try and do like a key adjustment because it was so I'm so loud (laughs) so I very naturally overtake a room and it was humiliating yeah but what I I learned from that humiliation so we're not going to go with famous blue raincoat which is what kind of sang but maybe we'll stick with his original choice which was desperado desperado and this was the Three siblings turning up in New York late. They're arriving as as Willa is leaving. Everything feels very vivid today, right? (laughs) You can't be jumping for joy the whole time, right? Willa. Okay. She's leaving with her friends. We learn that she was 
in the bathroom with her friends for 45 minutes. My question is, what percentage of Willa's friends are encouraging her to marry Connor? And what percentage are going, honey, this is a this is a no. How many of her friends do you think know about her former line of work? That's good. So is she open about her background as a sex worker? Dear Jesse, did you ever um, write Willa a little Bible? And I'm just so curious, when did she stop being open? Bye, Jesse. Like, if there's anyone she's met post-Connor, they don't know. You think all her old friends would know that he was a client? Yeah, there, there's going to be money coming in. But she could could she lie about it? Do you not think it's a common thing in life to not understand where somebody's money is coming from? Oh, my God. How do I afford to get that many holidays a year? Oh my God. There's always a good story and a person's income and there is nothing that people are ever more quiet about and it is just my greatest source of annoyance in my life. Do you think Willa was more or less weepy than you the night before your wedding? Oh my God, the night before. Oh my God, I had a breakdown. And the reason I had a breakdown was because I didn't really want to marry Why did I have, I remember I was really nervous about presenting well and giving a good speech. And that wasn't what got me upset. What got me upset was that it seemed like it was my wedding. It was like a once in a lifetime, I'm sure. And I just thought this is the only time you're ever going to do this, that all these moments would happen on this day and that I wanted to sort of be present to take each one of them in and that I was going to lose all all of them to my own anxiety about how whether or not I could land my speech. And that struck me as a really sad thing about myself. And that's why I cried. And then Maggie had to hold me, which you did a good job of. I think it's time to let people in on a little secret in our marriage. It's that I can track you on your phone. And you can track me on my phone. We're on the same Apple account, but I will always text you to ask where you are. Because I, th- I feel grimy doing that. Okay, I've tracked you a few times. Oh, really? Just make sure you're not fucking any other bitches. <laughs> I think the only dirty time I ever did it was we were having, we had had a bad argument and you stormed out. I was like, that motherfucker. And I was like, I'll just track the asshole. Yeah, and, and I the- went to the shops and did some shopping. I <laughs> bought a load of chocolates. She went to Selfridges and bought chocolates for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what it was. Like, you stormed out. And I was like, if he thinks I'm fucking going to be considering what he's up to, I'll just look what he's up to. Oh, I can tell he's going to suffrages. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, now it's funny. I was absolutely blind with rage when it happened. Um, what is at the root? What is Connor up to? What? Why is he chasing this authentic experience? He wants to be in the real America. He wants to sing a song. He's seen it in the movies. He just wants to be a regular guy with a regular wife. Do you not think there's a lot of Connor in that? He is somebody who has lived a life removed from where it's all happening. And he thinks he wants a taste of that. But then whenever he does it, and that would include a lot of his interactions and embroilments with his siblings, it's it's never good for him. And he, he just wants to retreat again. That incredible speech about not needing love. And arguably more than any of the other three siblings, he's the one who does. Yes. You know, he really does. He really, really wants it. And what I loved about 
this episode for Connor and Willa. We see in the end she is in their bed and he gets in. I I think that we see what their relationship will always be. She's not comfortable, but she's also not confident enough to leave. And he's not comfortable, but he's not going to call it either. And so that is the cycle that those two will be on forever. I thought that speech was amazing, but it was only self-aware up to a point. So his his diagnosis was exactly correct. Well, it wasn't exactly correct because he does need it. No, no, this is, this, this is what I'm saying. It. But that's what I'm saying. His, his, his diagnosis that he hasn't had it and that's made him what he is, is correct. Yes. But he bleeds a need for love. Oh. He is a needy love sponge. Needy love sponge. Needy, needy love sponge. And he's not really a plant that grows on a rock and feeds on insects that die inside of him. Do you think it was smart of Roman to bring Connor in? Yes, because he he could feel things slipping away from him. And the only thing he could grab for at his disposal was Connor's shares. So Connor doesn't get a vote, but he does have shares and stands to lose money if the deal falls through. That was the milkshake that brought Logan to the karaoke yard, though. (laughs) Another good business instinct on Roman's behalf. Yeah. On to Logan then. And I thought the karaoke song for him should be Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Um, I think it says so much about the kids, or specifically Shiv's idea of what power is, that she thought it was some kind of victory to get Logan to stay in the karaoke room. Yes, I had such a similar thing. It was that he, because he has real power, he doesn't have to get up to that kind of bullshit. And she is forever doing that thing where she thinks she's like sitting there is her proving that she has some. I also thought just from a pure televisual point of view, setting a conversation like that in a karaoke room was so funny. It was such a great location. And watching Logan sort of move through his Colin and Carrie sandwich into this place where the plebs hang out or whatever he would think of it as being. Yeah. And um, Logan's kind of opening gambit is that he was sad that the kids weren't at his birthday party. Kendall responds with, did dad just say a feeling? And Kendall was being sarcastic, but that is the question, isn't it? This is the question. Did he just say a feeling? So I've got an answer. Okay. My answer is yes and no. Logan definitely had, as we saw last week, the feeling of being sad and lonely that his children weren't at his birthday party. But there is no feeling in this interaction. Logan has taken that feeling and figured out how to weaponize it for the mission that he is on, which is winning these kids over for the board meeting. He sent Hugo off to deal with the smaller shareholders Uh and his job is to deal with the kids. And the feeling from his birthday is now something he is able to use for leverage in that. I don't think there was any real feeling from Logan in this conversation. You don't no. think so. He, there was nothing about him that was vulnerable in no. any real way. No. What's going on with the way he keeps looking back to Carrie? He's almost like, what is it that I mean to say? And then she, she doesn't literally say that, but that's sort of how I interpreted his glances. She almost becomes the moderator of the conversation yes, at times. Yes, yeah, yeah. What I think she knows he's there to do a job, and he knows he's so there it's to all do a sort job. of part of a, a performance. I, th- I think it is the same Logan we see at Turnhaven with the Pierces, who is able to adopt a completely different personality to get what he wants. But for this particular deal, what he needs is contrition or self-reflection. So when he says, um you know, when he sort of 
apologizes about the helicopter and Shiv's like, oh, yeah, that thing today. Oh, okay. And then Roman brings up Italy and mom. And Logan says, yeah, okay, I've had certain thoughts about that. What are the thoughts? Or that's just a complete lie. Or it's real. He has had thoughts about it. But where he is at now, none of those thoughts or feelings are still present in a real way. Yeah. I think mm. every, every every apology or even half apology is a card to be played, a, a chip to be bargained with. He's not truly upset. Because for him, any kind of true upset manifests as, as aggression and rage. And he's not there. But he kind of, you know anybody listening has read enough interviews with Brian Cox to know that the way he plays this is as though he loves his children. So that's what that's the actor's intention. So he does love them. But, but that doesn't mean he can be vulnerable around them. Here's how we know for sure that Logan has had no moment of self-reflection and changed the way he thinks about how he treats his children. Uh-huh. At the end of the episode where he is gathering the attack party to uh, go and visit Matson and Roman says but it's Con's wedding water off it doesn't care does not give a shit right 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 and and then on siblings feelings that <sighs> Roman moment Kendall brings up Logan hitting Roman and Roman just brushes it oh, everyone hits me it's fine I'm annoying yeah he really can't look at his father's stuff can he no I wonder if he's ever seen a good therapist I think it's hard to find a good therapist when you're really rich. Say more about that. Um, I think that rich people have power, right? No matter how, maybe you got it because you earned it. Maybe it was given to you, but like you're powerful. And um, really successful people can like find therapists who are going to tell them what they want to hear versus like truly challenge them. And I think that people don't want to be told. Like Roman wants his dick to be hard when he fucks a person, but he probably doesn't want to really think about the shit he pulled with that kid in episode one. Shiv probably would like a better marriage, but Shiv probably doesn't want to really get into the fact that she prefers people who she has control over. And I think that people, you can find a therapist to tell you anything. These people don't know what they're doing half of them so those are our thoughts on the episode we would love to hear yours we'll be going through the email friday sprinkles do you think there was any genuine contrition from logan another question is logan promises roman atn what does that mean for tom will he just be moved around within the company or is that showing us just how disposable tom is i I had another question as well yeah going to the children in the way that he does. Do you think that Carrie contributed to that at all? Like, do you think that that she advised that move? Oh, and when they tell her that you've popped your betrayal uh-huh. cherry, when they suggest that Logan has scuppered her on-screen ambitions, is that news to her or does she know really? Oh, I think she knows. It's like the confirming the thing she was suspecting, right? right. Also, a thing that we haven't touched upon is why is Logan so angry with Jerry? Is it Logan already sussing out that despite the 30 years or whatever it's been that they've worked together, just like he was capable of throwing her under the bus because she received a dick pic, the second he's not the head honcho anymore, she's going to be worshipping at the Madsen altar or whatever it is. And that fucking pisses him off. Yeah, and I think catching her sniggering at that tape enraged him. Even though it didn't enrage him at Hugo. He thinks Hugo is a is despicable a dirty little slime rat. ball. Whereas he expects more from Jerry. Yeah. 
so interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was straining to see, but I didn't get anywhere with it. What book Connor has on his bedside at the hotel. I'd love it if somebody had been able to zoom in on that. And we also, we were only able to get one of the two ATN news headlines in that scene where Hugo and Jerry are walked in on. There are two in the background. One says, Ivy League school consider intimacy coordinators for first dates. But the second one said, Michelin starred chef opened soup kitchen supply. We couldn't finish yeah, it. Did yeah, anyone yeah. get it? Yeah. Is there anything else like that we missed in this episode? Please ask us questions, answer our questions. Tell us what you've noticed that we didn't. The email address is? Fuck off. At firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up, we took succession with our guest this week. We're delighted to have her, the creator and star of Starstruck on HBO Max and BBC iPlayer. We're joined by Rose Matafeo. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Our guest today is, I feel that she is arguably the most charismatic onstage performer that air I have seen, comedian, writer, TV star, director, film buff, Rose Matafeo. Oh, I just, it's exactly the script that's sent you. I thank you so much. So professional, Sarah. It's I fine. I can take that. a note. Rose, thank I do so what much. I'm told to get you to get you on here. Oh my God, so, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for coming. We're here to obsess about succession with you. Yes. So last week we spoke to Guardian columnist Stuart Heritage, oh. and he revealed to us yeah. that he watched it on his phone. In our family, it would be sacrilege to even watch it on the computer. And I was wondering, is this an age thing? Do we feel this because Jeff is basically old enough to be your dad? Or are you equally offended by the idea? I am equally offended by that idea in terms of I don't believe in watching anything on your phone except for YouTube videos. When you're making a television show, the idea of someone watching this on their phone or making dinner as they're listening to it, you're trying to make a high quality product. Um, I did watch it on a computer though, to be fair, but only because my nan's visiting and I didn't want to monopolize the television. Succession 
is very cinematic. And I sometimes wonder about this difference between TV and film. In that film, the 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 director is on such a pedestal. Yeah. Whereas in TV, it seems to be more about the writer. Yeah. To the extent that in a long-running series, Succession isn't one of them, but to the extent that every now and again, the cast member of a show will be allowed to direct an episode. Yeah. You would never get a cast member being allowed to write an episode. <laughs> That's so true, yeah. I know. It's, it's largely true that television, I think you're servicing the script as opposed to, um, I think, maybe films where the director is kind of the more the front-facing personality of it. Um, but it's an interesting one, especially with the HBO shows, right, as well, because a lot of their brand is on the look of it and the tone of it, like Adam K doing the pilot of it, sets the tone of the entire show. When I heard that they shot that pilot on film, and I've, I've always tried to get, like, you know, goss from people, I know they kind of worked on it and stuff, about how that even works, about how shooting on film is, A, just terrifying, because it's so expensive, the amount they have to rehearse, the pressure on actors, I think, that completely changes the nature of the show as well. I really do think it changes the performances of, of this entire show because there's like jeopardy. There's such stakes yes. to it. And um, it made, made me think because your, your show is shown on uh, HBO. HBO Max, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let's be real. I don't, I don't really, HBO Max, okay. Do you, can, I just well, say, can I say quickly, I think that's such... Yeah. such an endearing thing that's like the opposite of when someone does a tedx talk and then they present it as a oh, ted yeah, talk yeah, I know. Yeah. that's such endearing behavior from you rose well this is why i was wondering, I was wondering if it was possible for you to even watch succession without thinking about all the times you've been told there isn't budget for such and such a thing <laughs> no i can do that for all television really it's it's it's, it's more the difference than comedy and drama because drama budgets are always uh, uh, much, much higher than any comedy budget, really. When you're watching Succession, what are the moments that make you go, Jesus Christ, how do they do that? Sometimes when I hear a line in Succession, I go, oh my God, in another show, that could be so shit. But here it works. Right. It's because it's a funny show and it kind of so straddles the comedy and the drama in such an interesting way that there are some lines where I'm like, that could have fallen so flat and it didn't. When Tom is talking to Greg about... um having sex with that girl at Logan's party. Yeah. And there's a shot where Greg basically is like, oh, I told Logan that she's crazy. And it's just a shot on Matthew Fagan going, wow, so you blamed it on her. How gallant. <laughs> and then, the, and it, but it's on him, but then it develops into the security guard coming into his shop. It's, it's like you're shooting a play, like as everyone says about succession. The confidence of that performance to exist in a shot where you develop to something else that is the stuff I love about Succession is because it's like, it is a fucking play. I don't think it's a very American thing to do either. Fuck you, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I think it can be a bit on the nose sometimes, but I yeah. think I let, every moment where it like, I really miss when comedy existed with really talented people, almost in shots that you didn't rely on editing and cutting to create the comedy. There's so many examples in like Steve Martin films. I remember like there's a shot in the Three Amigos where you've got like, three amazing actors and they're all acting in the same frame right and you're not cutting between people and for me like I, as like a comedy nerd going at one point in time there was a camera filming these three people in one space and I think that's like a element of succession which I love is that you really feel like they're in the same space together at the same time experiencing the same thing and we're just watching that happened rather than necessarily manipulating comedy or drama so much in the way it's cut. You mentioned that um, balance between comedy and drama that we see. Mm -hmm. 
in succession. Now, something that strikes me about Starstruck is is it's it's the thing it is is funny. It's a comedy primarily, but it's got all this heart to it in the premise. Yeah. Do you perceive much heart in succession? Or is it those moments all in heartbreak in the show? Is that uh-huh. its key? Well, first of all, I remember first watching it and I was like, I can't get into this because I was like, these people are awful. Everything is grey. It is immediately hard to get into a world where you don't necessarily identify with a character, right? Which is, the, it's quite an easy way of, of hooking someone in, of going, oh, it's relatable. I do it with my comedy all the time. I pretend to relate to the audience, even though I relate to none of them. Suck them in. <laughs> suck them in. my ticket. I don't want to, I don't, no, no, I don't want to talk to you after the show. No, 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 no. We are not the same. But I will pretend to be relatable. Uh, <laughs> but, but, and I think that's a shame with a lot of television, film, whatever, leaning towards that of going, this something needs to be relatable. I need to key into it so that I will then follow the story. And I think things like Succession, where it's like the world of which you have no idea of, you can't relate to these characters. I think that's actually quite a rewarding thing. I think they are all awful. They are all awful. And it's very hard to find like the humanity. But I was crying at the end of this episode. Like now, look, I am a New Zealander who's moved to a country, which I will say, I know it's a generalization, but it's broadly emotionally repressed and emotional repression is a real like a weird thing for me to sort of navigate with the people around me and this is like a show about repression of like human emotion and in, in, in a family which is like that is the kind of breeding ground of, of, of human emotion and humanity yet this is like layer of like they're all just fighting against these kind of animalistic instincts of family and it's all bubbling to the surface i think especially in a series like this and so that is what makes me um, see kind of a rewarding aspect of trying to find humanity in these in these characters who are just like really awful. It's like transla- It's like translation, isn't it? I, I think it's great that they're they're dicks. <laughs> so, so when you were crying, was that because you're rooting for Tom and Shiva? Was it just a, what it gets what? at about relationships where people can't connect? I was crying because it was just two people who were not able to tell each other what they can't communicate they can't they don't uh, shiv more than any other series like she's such she is such a fragile on the edge person but in that moment you're like you can see you could see in her heart and it's because all serious performance you know what she wants and you know what she's asking for and you can just see two ships in the night like they're just not saying what they want or need then the sadness of them physically showing that at the very end with holding hands it just broke my heart because it was two people who just couldn't communicate who were just so like horribly emotionally like calcified and repression see but this is making me feel like you're a much better person than i am because i this journey that i've been on with succession that i've been trying to explore for myself (laughs) is i have like a very intense hatred of shiv worship sarah snook we all do so i enjoy hating her but i i hate her quite intensely and if i'm sharing my shame because the secret you share can no longer hurt you rose of course of course like I I think that I hate Shiv on a different level to the way that I hate any of the men in the show. Wow! And so I've, I've had to confront my own internalized misogyny, yeah. I, I really think is this thing. And I was wondering if, if you can guide me on my journey towards being better. Okay. I am so glad you've asked me and had the courage to speak out about your hatred of Thank Shiv. Thank you so much. Um, I, okay, look, I'm... <laughs> 
I don't want to sound like a psychopath. I will be using uh, terms about attachment theory in okay. my explanation of this. This is so me, by the way, as well, about not trying to apply attachment theory to the characters of succession. You, you've basically just explained the premise of this podcast. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's like attachment theory is all about how, you know, you show love or attach to people. So there's like avoidant people, anxious people, anxious attachment, and then there's secure. And secure people are people who have had these mystical, wonderful childhoods where their parents love them, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then avoidant and anxious are a result of different types of parenting of, you know, like unreliable parenting or distant parenting and stuff. So basically we look at this succession family, Logan Roy, like the parents are fucked up and they have created some emotionally fucked up children. And so I have so much empathy for these kids. They were so unloved in so many ways. And you can just see it with Shiv. She's kind of created this like really thin veneer of being staunch and like not letting emotions in and not letting people love her. And Tom is just someone who wants to give her love. And every time she backs away and she gets scared of it and she'll just live like that forever because she has the most fucked up, not the most fucked up life, they're billionaires. But I'd rather be a secure, um, normal person than uh, an incredibly... Uh, emotionally fucked billionaire oh my god you're not a normal person you're a tv star. <laughs> you're a tv i'm a normal but she remembers she, on she, hbo she remembers. max you're a tv star on hbo max no, but i think with, to, to your point with ship i think it's like um it's not as much to do with internalized misogyny i think it's actually um potentially how you feel about yourself sarah i'm so sorry i'm shedding my shame i'm gonna own my hatred of the one main female character in this show from here on <laughs> No, I think that's like I. I think I don't believe in um, the idea that women can't play a, a big bugbear is it can't play shit evil characters. For women to always be the moral compass of of a piece of work or a television show, or you know, always expecting a woman to do the right things, having no um, room for a woman to make mistakes or be a bastard, um, I fucking hate. Because like, that, and that's what succession doesn't do is that the women are. As fucked as the men, and I think that's um, true progress. Which you think is the truest romance? Connor and Willa, Tom and Shiv, or Logan and Kerry? Uh, can I say Tom and Greg? <laughs> yes! 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 I think that, yes. that's, I don't believe any of those others are true romance. I think Tom and Greg have such a, uh, an attraction to each other, and a toxic one, but like they can't stay away from each other, and it's like really interesting. I think that's true. And it's, if we're talking romance, they're not talking love, you know, romance, it's Tom and Greg. There's more intimacy in Tom's relationship with Greg than Tom's relationship with Shiv. And yeah. there has always been. So Sarah's theory is, so in relationships, we, we have patterns mm-hmm. that we might not realise. And in Shiv, Tom has chosen somebody where the power dynamic is off. And what he thinks he's done with Greg mm-hmm. is a power grab. And Greg can never hurt him. And he, he, and yes. he Tom, holds all the power. But but that's not the case. And, and Greg will hurt him. Oh, totally. yeah. Greg, ha- Greg has the power in that relationship 100%. Totally. That's the long well, game power speak holder. More, speak more on that. I think fundamentally... Mm-hmm. Tom needs more from Greg than Greg needs from Tom. I think Greg is one of these really opportunistic... Hugely. He is a 
Okay. And he's a fucking snake. And those people in life are ultimately safe. As I describe this to you, I can feel my like my body sweating. <laughs> like I could just feel like moisture starting to come out of my body as I became impassioned about emotional backstory. Jeff. Um, is is there anyone you're rooting for? You know what? It's To be honest, always been for me, Tom. I love Tom. I root for Tom. He's an outsider. He's not part of the family. And I feel like he's like quite an easy one to back. Cause I'm like, he's awesome, man. I don't know. I Wamsgans. love him. I love him. Go Wamsgans. Team Wamsgans. King Tom. Rose, fantastic. I knew she would be. But she was more, even more fantastic than I thought she would be. Now, before we go, do you have any favourite lines, quotes, turns of phrase from this week's episode? You know that I do. Let's hear them. Happy Christmas, you clock-watching fucks. Homework. The show. <laughs> Dad's little bitch boy. Jaws, if everyone in Jaws worked for Jaws. She is doing the shit out of this news. Fucking jam smears on the highway. Shove the bunting up your ass. POTUS scrotus. A real bar with chicks and guys who work with their hands and grease and sweat from their hands and have blood in their hair. House red? Do I dare? That tainted nozzle. We can monitor her dot together. I'm John, motherfuckers. Ringo. Yoko. He's still Connor, but he won having drinks with us at an auction. <laughs> Just be water, man. Rats as fat as skunks. I'm going to build something better, something faster, lighter, meaner, wilder. And I'm going to do it from in here with you lot. You fucking pirates! Marvelous. We will be back with Friday Sprinkles and with a brand new episode next week after episode three of Succession, which is called Connor's Wedding. What will the first dance be at the wedding? Will it be Leonard Cohen's famous blue raincoat? Will they dance and will we get more time with Willa's mum? Will we see Tom self-consciously sniffing himself in case that he smells of dairy? Will we see Jerry in a Viking helmet? <laughs> I hope so. I'd enjoy that. Will, will Kerry take advice on how to make her arms less un tv I feel that we've all indulged in rummage to fruition enough, so I'm not going to rummage this to fruition. I'm going to finish this off because cum is washable. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please be in touch. I really wish you could understand what it feels like when I go into that inbox, that fire crotch and normcore inbox, and I see all your filthy fucking emails. I feel fucking powerful. So write to us, why don't you? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.